I speak to you now in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. This morning's Gospel presents a shrewd, dishonest man on the last day in the office before he's fired. He's been stealing from the company, and the owner has confronted him and ordered him to open the books and go over the accounts. What shall I do? The dishonest manager asks himself. I don't want to end up as a beggar. So what did he do? He cooked the books one more time, reducing some client's debts. Why? In order to endear himself to them and make some fast friends. And now for the twist. When his boss found out about these last-minute deals, he actually praised the unrighteous steward because he had acted with prudence. The boss said to him, uh, and then Jesus said, finish the parable by saying this, I say to you, make to yourselves friends by means of the mammon of unrighteousness, and when it fails you, they will receive you into everlasting habitations. Another translation of Jesus' words goes like this, I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. The Lord's not encouraging us to cheat or to steal. His point is simply to be wise. Use what you have carefully and wisely. This fits, of course, with what he told his apostles on another occasion. Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. There's a fine balance. We are not to be gullible or naive so as to be taken advantage of, but we are to live with an openness, an innocence, a vulnerability modeled in the ways of a dove. Why? Because following the Lord Jesus Christ requires us to live by faith. We recognize our needs and our weaknesses as Christians, and we know that ultimately our life belongs to God. We are powerless in the face of death, and we're helpless to absolve ourselves from our sins. That said, we cannot excuse ourselves from responsibility. The Holy Spirit dwells in us to strengthen us in doing what is good and following what is true. So we must be prudent. We must take this responsibility and use our time and our talents and our opportunities wisely. We must use the gifts God has given us with prudence. That's also St. Paul's point in today's epistle. In summarizing a bit of Israel's history after they left their captivity in Egypt, Paul says, but with many of them, God was not well pleased. 
Now these things were our examples, he says, to the intent we should not lust after evil things as some of them. Paul's point is that even after the Lord delivered his people and fed them and led them and performed miracles in their midst, they unwisely turned from him. Instead of using these means and these experiences to draw closer to God in obedience, instead they turned from him and rejected his word. From this we could say that the Israelites were not prudent. We are, of course, very much like the Israelites. It's a struggle for us to keep the big picture before us as we deal with everyday life. The big picture of eternity. The big picture of our calling. Nevertheless, as we heard in last week's epistle, you have not received a spirit of servitude again unto fear. You have received a spirit of sonship in which we cry aloud, Abba, Father. It's true. We are. We are the children of God. We're not alone. It is possible for us to live in this world with prudence amidst the daily temptations and pressures. It's possible for us to live wisely to God's glory. Okay? How? One helpful thing to begin with is to understand the secular mind of this world. We considered this two weeks ago through the words of Archbishop Michael Ramsey. His point is that we no longer live in a Christian culture. And the mindset of this culture and the systems within it are dismissive of eternity, faith, and religion. What is important to our culture, something we need to understand, what is important to our culture is the individual. My personal freedom, my individual rights. In many cases, these assumptions are the starting place for public policy. And tied to these principles, of course, is our democratic system of government, as well as our economic philosophy of capitalism. Now, please do not hear what I'm not saying. My point is not to encourage some kind of rebellion or protest. What I'm point, trying to point out is the different mindset between following Christ and following along in the ways of our Canadian culture. Christianity is not based on human rights. Wow. That is an important distinction to grab hold of. Christianity is not based on human rights. Christ did not come from heaven because of some human rights that I have. 
He came because of God's amazing grace. Christianity is found on the grace and truth revealed in Christ, fundamental for us to understand. Furthermore, Christian doctrine, what we believe, is not supposed to be determined by democratic vote. Another zinger. Why not? Because the voting process is susceptible to whoever has the most money, the biggest and loudest support base, and the most power and popularity. And all of that is not necessarily rooted in the objective truth, in the objective good, in what is holy according to God's standards. To determine church doctrine democratically, therefore, is a step away from using and accepting what God has given us, the divine revelation, the revelation of God to human beings in his word. Think of it this way. As human beings, we need to have some objective authority and truth to guide us. Otherwise, everything is up for grabs. Interesting, isn't it? That if I take my car to the mechanic, he doesn't give me half a dozen ways of fixing it. If I take a first aid course, there's not 101 ways of performing artificial respiration. If I go to some kind of government agency, it's laid, the process is laid out. Why is it that we have such a hard time accepting the divine revelation? Because of pride. So we have here this way that the Lord, and it's the Lord Jesus who gives this parable today about prudence. And part of this, up against this prudence, can be the way of our culture, which is, re, which is rooted in human rights, which is, can really be, the sticking point in that can be our pride, my pride. Everything can be up for grabs, in the Christian life if we leave it to how I feel and what I think I should do. I'm not saying that we should, we have a vestry and I'm not saying that we shouldn't have votes at vestry as to what color to paint the church hall or on how to spend the money that has been received. Do you follow me? But when it comes to what we believe, that should not be up for grabs. What does all this have to do with prudence? Well, in order to live in this present age, the church must understand the difference between the culture that we live in and the life to which we're called. The culture puts a high value on individuality, on individual rights, Christians believe that our identity is rooted in God's grace and truth through Christ. Also, whereas the church believes God's word to be authoritative, the world determines authority democratically. This acceptance and dependence on human authority 
rather than on the divine authority, leads to many struggles for power within our society. In order to be recognized, in order to receive funding for my particular interest or organization, I have to thrust my agenda forward. I have to lobby. We'll never finish, then, assessing the latest trend or fad. This is exhausting, but it is the world's way. It's also frustrating for the church, which sees a more sure logic with eternal truth according to the gospel and the gospel way. So when we recognize and accept these fundamental differences between church and culture, we can move forward wisely and prudently with faith, hope, and charity. The thing is, we have three choices whenever we come to a roadblock. We can turn around and go home and forget about our destination. We can dig in and argue till we're blue in the face with the person at the barricade, asserting our right to pass through it. Or we can take the detour and continue on to our objective. Prudence often sees the wisdom in taking the detour. I'm not talking about caving in or giving up what is true and right. I'm not talking about assimilating with the world. I am trust. I am talking about trusting that God is in charge and he's working out his perfect plan, which includes building his church. In order to be prudent, in order to be prudent, we must pray for discernment to know what is truly important in a given situation. What is absolutely necessary? What is worth going to the wall over in this circumstance? Because it's too easy to miss the forest for the trees if we don't. We have to know as Christians what the mission is and who is in command. What is the mission? Our mission is simply to let the light of Christ shine so that others will see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. Our mission, as we heard in the baptism last week, is to confess the faith of Christ crucified and manfully to fight under his banner against sin, the world, and the devil and to continue to be his faithful soldier and servant until our life's end. The Christian's mission is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Our mission is to walk in love as Christ also has loved us. It is to worship God the Holy Trinity, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, and to invite others into the fellowship of his church. That's our mission. Prudence should not involve quitting or denying any of these fundamental factors in the mission. 
but it will require us from time to time to be wise in the way we approach these things. Two examples, we're almost done. Two examples. As an organization that operates according to generally held Canadian values, the Canadian Armed Forces no longer have church parades on a regular Sunday basis. The course that is now in session at the Moncton Garrison was not ordered to attend a church service in Moncton today. That said, Christians and any other faith group may ask for a religious accommodation to be excused from training in order to go to church on a Sunday. There's an opportunity for the Christians on course to act prudently, to make that request, and to use the accommodation that is available in order to come and worship. A second example. This one involves this church building and property. We are here on holy ground. This property has been consecrated, set apart from all profane and common usages. It is for God's purposes alone. It's also private property. Smack dab in the downtown core of Moncton. Question, how can we use this location prudently for God's glory? Answer, by daily worship. Opening the door every day of the week, putting a sign out there that tells you're welcome to come in here and pray. Morning and evening prayer. By weekly celebrations of the Holy Eucharist, the one service that Jesus commanded, aside from baptism. By monthly meals for our community friends. We're downtown. We should be involved in all the messiness of this neighborhood. By offering shower and laundry service during Advent and Christmas on this busy corner, having the outdoor nativity out there, prudent use of the property. Same goes with the church garden. Same goes with a decision the vestry made last fall to electrify the bells. They actually ring now three times a day. And with the money that we had, and with the resource that we had, the bells, that seemed to be the most prudent use. But the list could go on and on, and the opportunities are more and more. Just illustrations to say that all of us are called today by the Lord himself, individually and corporately, not just me in my little corner, but all of us as a congregation, and those watching too, we're called as the Christian church to live with prudence, to use our time, talent, and treasure wisely. What happened to the Israelites? Why did, why did St. Paul point out their evil lusting? It's because they started to enjoy what they had rather than use what they had. If you and I go on a canoe trip and, we be, and I'm, I'm going home to St. John, and we decide to travel the St. John River home, 
and we land ourselves uh, somewhere around, uh, I don't know, somewhere, somewhere in the uh, in the area where the where the uh, Kennebecasis and the St. John River meet, and we think, wow, this is be- this is a beautiful place. Let's set up camp here and stay for a while. Okay, we'll do that overnight. Then before we know it, the fishing's so good and the shade is so perfect and the breeze is lovely, we decide to stay for a week. Pretty soon we've committed for the summer. We're enjoying what we're supposed to be using. What we're supposed to be using is this nice sandy piece of shore so that we can stay overnight and keep on our journey home. Home. It doesn't mean we... We take advantage, but we have a mindset that our home is with God, and this place is temporary. Jesus emphasized our need for prudence as a life principle. He said, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that is unrighteous in that which is least is unrighteous also in much. The aim of our prudence is not self-gain or glory. It is furthering the mission of Christ. Our commander is the Lord Jesus himself who used his own life as the full and perfect sacrifice to win us everlasting joy and salvation. This is the model of prudence we seek. And may the Lord help us in the words of today's call it. May he help us to have the spirit to think and do always such things as be rightful. Closing thought. I realize that for some of us today, this is the right message. For others who are struggling with some relationship issue, with some unemployment issue, with some financial crunch, with some physical or mental pain. This is not what you're looking for. The simple boiled down piece on this is, there is a use with what you are now experiencing. There's a purpose. This is not a random thing in God's economy. It can be used, but in order to find that proper and helpful use, surround yourself with a circle of support that involves Christian people. Because to find that use in the midst of pain and suffering is a very difficult thing. May the Lord help us with the spirit to think and do always such things as be rightful. That same spirit who teaches us to cry out, Abba, Father. Now unto God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, be ascribed all might, majesty, dominion, power, honor, and glory, as is most justly due. Henceforth and forevermore. Amen.